Game Boys. Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. It's me, your host, Lux. You know that already. And with me, as always, from the roof of Energine Incorporated, where he's broadcasting to giant animals, it's Griffin Davis. Is that a Rampage reference? That's a Rampage reference, bud. Yes! I got it! Oh my god, yes. Okay, I haven't seen the Rampage movie yet, um, but you have. But I have, and I am into it. Into it, yes. Okay, yeah. is it as good as I hope it is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's what you hope it is, I think. I don't know if it's, like, I don't know what you mean by good, but it's, like, extremely silly and extremely uh, the Rampage movie. Wait, Lux, move your camera down. I want to see your, your dumb face. Like yeah, don't cut, don't cut this out, Haley. Okay. I want to hear all these tech difficulties. Okay, wait, so, okay, can you there see my dumb perfect. face now? Okay, yeah. yeah, great. There's my dumb face, yeah. So, where does this rank on, like, The Rock movies? Is it, does it top Scorpion King? It's behind all the Fast and Furiouses. It probably tops Scorpion King. It's better than San Andreas. I think it's better than Walking Tall. Okay, so I'm glad that this was the priority movie for you over A Quiet Place, which is what everyone was talking about. Look, I... I'm going my own way, dude. I live my own life. Um, you saw a quiet place. What'd you think? Uh, it was good. It should have been called a, a quiet baby. I don't, that's my hot take. That seems like a spoiler. That's a, that's a tweet that I deleted. Cause well, it got glad, no traction. I'm glad you got it out there. Uh, what are you playing right now? Right now I'm finishing up Nino Kunai, uh, mm-hmm. two. Oh yeah. I've been talking about Nino Kunai two on the podcast for a little bit. And I, and I, I want to chronicle kind of the third act of my, uh, my review impression. I'm now deeply disappointed in the game. Uh, <laughs> uh it, ha- it, it, it introduced so many cool things and then was like, it fucked up the leveling and like, and, and so like there's all these cool systems and all these cool like talent trees and stuff that I wanted to develop, but none of it matters when the game's so easy. So it's like, I'm, I'm about to beat the game and I'm only like, like a fifth into all the stuff you could like do and it's just kind of like boring like what's the point in getting stronger if i'm already just like one-shotting everything yeah no it, that's kind of where i'm at too i'm like at close to the end and everything is a little bit too easy peasy but mm-hmm. it's still i don't know i like making a town i'm into i'm into it yeah but here's one thing i'm not into and we said we talked about it this week really quick so let's do it uh ready player one fucking sucks <laughs> the movie fucking blows giant ass oh man but the race sequence was cool i guess like sure <laughs> i like when cars go fast i like a big monkey and a dinosaur so like yeah sure, that's all good can stuff I, but the can movie I talk was about terrible. this yeah yeah I, okay. I have opinions i know sam sam i know sam is a big spielberg head so uh let's let's introduce our guest and, and so you can talk about ready player one we have a huge guest this this week i mean they're all big guests but but this, this one's like this 11 one's feet one. tall 486 pounds is that a is that a rampage I, thing i was making a joke skinny. about like big. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah that's big yeah yeah first you said 486 and i was like oh i feel fat and then 11 feet tall oh that's pretty good yeah, no, I feel like that's good shape. But yeah, yeah um, welcome to the podcast, Sam Brown, sketch comedian guy. Is that your title? Yeah, sketch comedian guy. That's what I put on my taxes. What up, what up? <laughs> hey, what's going yeah. on, man? Got to have on the podcast. Hey. Um, so Ready Player One, let's talk. Ready Player One, yeah. Not enough references, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I was underwhelmed. I mean, let's put more in there. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, and some of the references, they totally kind of fucked up. Like the Iron Giant just kind of like killed a bunch of dudes, yeah. which is kind of antithetical to like what the Iron Giant 
was about as a movie. I forget. Did he did he do the red eye thing? Because you remember he had that red eye moment mm-hmm. in Iron Giant, where all of a sudden he was like, "Destroy." Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of. Yeah, I don't think he did the like switch over though. I think he was just in baseline nice robot mode. Yeah. And then went around punching Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, and then doing a T two reference at the end. I mean, it basically was Wreck It Ralph. Right. Like, it's just like we're walking through this world with like these like four very generic characters, Mm -hmm. but every single other character in it is a reference to something. Yeah. And I think it's a problem. Like, I feel like there was less references that I I didn't get in Ready Player One that there was in Wreck-It Ralph. And like Wreck-It Ralph, I feel like there were still characters that I saw that I was like, what game's that from? Mm -hmm. But in Ready Player One, I got everything. (laughs) Everything was such low-hanging fruit. Also, if you you can be anything, why would you choose... The main character chooses to be a fuckboy, basically. Just like a blonde (laughs) fuckboy. Just like like a little Final Fantasy NPC. Yeah, it, not yeah. Even, it, I was just like, out of anything, you're going to be that guy? <sighs> and that, that bummed me out. I mean, that's like what bums me out about the whole movie is that like it's a universe where anyone can be anything and everyone's just characters from 80s TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh Yeah, everyone, like, I get like, oh, oh, this guy, he's obsessed with 80s, but like now everyone's obsessed with 80s and also nothing has happened in culture between <laughs> 2010 and 2040 when this movie's taken place. Yeah, even in the movie, it's like people are still streaming on Twitch. It's like, yo, by 2045, I guarantee you are not going to be streaming on Twitch. <laughs> By like 2020, we're not going to be streaming on Twitch. Yeah, so um, everyone yeah. monetize your streams now because you're running out of time. It was yeah. still worth it though for the shining scene. I saw the shining scene in like a hip theater in Los Feliz, and my crowd lost their shit. People like I, it was a very mixed reaction. Some people were into it, some people weren't into it. It was just like a crazy, almost sacrilegious moment. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie for sure. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> It would like to like also do this like remix of The Shining where it's like, oh, we're going to like kind of change things around because we can't have like a naked like, I don't know, like it seemed like like we're going to ghoul this up. Uh, <laughs> that was like a little weird. Yeah. Also, like from a, stare, a storytelling standpoint, like there was no tension to them. Like they just like showed up and we're like, we got the key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like make us think that like they actually found the key when they show up and they're like, hey, wait, we did that thing we were supposed to do i'm sure this is gonna work out that's like automatically indicating to me like that's not the answer at all (laughs) like we don't have like answers in movies happen off screen yeah well so it was no war horse but moving on so let's talk more about uh our guest can i can i ask questions about rampage first yeah please (laughs) rampage was like like the trailer was a little weird to me because i remember playing the video game and wait was was there a flying wolf in the video game like there was a wolf i didn't remember him flying did he have wings in the game i thought that the wolf could like glide down or something but maybe not that might be wrong he soars, um, right? Yeah, he's not he like, like flying. He isn't, yeah, he's not like a fly. He's like, like more of a flying squirrel than like a bird. But in the game, was that that wasn't a thing, was it? 
I don't remember. I don't. I played it recently at Button Mash with this little arcade bar, and I remember the wolf, but I don't remember yeah. if he could fly. I remember the wolf. Definitely, there was a wolf. Well, they definitely. The other weird thing is in the game, they were people. They were people that got turned into these things because you would die and you'd turn into a little naked person, and then you'd run oh, home really? crying every time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and so Dwayne the Rock Johnson never turns into anything. No. Well, see, that's that's hmm. one of the funniest weird parts of the movie is that so in the game, right? All the monsters have like people names because they're people so like the wolf is ralph the monkey's george the lizard thing has a name also i can't remember it lizzie i think right yeah yeah maybe izzy something like that and then in the movie they keep the names but like there's not a reason for them to have those names like george is from a zoo so they named him george i guess and then at one point they're just like uh people on the internet are calling the wolf uh ralph (laughs) that's what happens in the movie And so, yeah, it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty not close to the game at all. There's like a little bit of, there's some really good fun, like big animals climbing building shots, but otherwise it's like pretty different. Is there a part where they're like, hey, we got to smash these building in this time limit? Like actually sort of. Cool. Yeah, there's right, sort of there's like that. they find a way to justify that. It gets close to that. <laughs> there's a moment in the movie that feels like the game. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's great. You know, we want we want video game movies to succeed, you know. Do we? <laughs> I want them to get good What's first. What's the best video game movie? What is what is everyone's favorite video game movie? Like cuz like they're kind of like historically awful. Mm-hmm. Is there like, any that have gotten it right? Uh, you remember Mario Brothers? Ugh. Yeah, that was really scary as a kid for me. It was yeah, it was like did not feel I was very excited for it. It did not feel like Mario Brothers. No, it was extremely haunting. For me like the best like involvement of video games in in cinema and this isn't a video game movie, but it's a movie about video games was was the wizard? I loved the wizard. Oh, the you wizard fucking rules. No, I haven't yeah. seen it. The guy that shot it, uh, I forget what his name is, but he like he's since then gone on to shoot like Wes Anderson and Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Oh yeah, I, be- mm. I mean I believe that the movie looks great and is yeah. that movie. Yeah, Griffin, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check out the wizard. It's a good old Fred, movie. Fred Savage. What's her name from Rilo Kiley? Oh yeah. Again, yeah, it's been years. Yeah. But our, many, our many fans will tweet us the answer later. Yeah, yeah. All, all double digits of them. It's it's just a movie about a kid that's really good at video games. He's the Wiz. He's the Wizard. Yeah, I, I watched uh, for the game, which I won't talk about yet. But I watched a speedrunner guy uh, play the game with a crowd of people behind him, and it was awesome. It was really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, getting into more about you for a second. Uh, this is a video game podcast. Have you uh, kind of always been playing video games? Yeah. Just, like, I, consistently I mean, throughout your yeah. life? Yeah. Oh, hardcore. I remember like Christmases. I remember most vividly were the Christmases where I got video game systems. I remember getting the original Nintendo system and my brother playing it so much that he threw up. Uh, (laughs) From like staring at a TV? Just staring at a TV and kind of motion sickness. (laughs) That's That's the dream. That's the way things were. With like a cathode ray tube, like vibrating image, sure. Yeah, I mean, we just weren't acclimated to staring at a TV for like... 12 hours sure yeah and the kind of like tracking the motion in it oh wait i just looked this up robert yeoman shot the movie the wizard and he also shot drugstore cowboy let's see bottle rocket whoa rushmore dogma you got some credits royal tannenbaum steve uh life aquatic the squid and the whale 
Red Eye. <laughs> Red Eye with Killian this Murphy. Guy's a, this guy's a hero. Darjeeling Limited. Uh, most recently, the the new Ghostbusters. Do you think we could get him on the podcast? I mean, he loves the wizard. I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. How hooked up are you? After this one, I'm expecting millions of new listeners. I, re- I remember, back to video games, I remember um, getting, for my birthday, a Sega Genesis. Whoa. And being amazed that Sonic the Hedgehog could go through a loop. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this game's so fast. Oh, yeah. Uh, was that the one with the whales on the dock? Was that the 3D one? No, no. Oh, that the, was the, 3D the, one. the first one. Oh, sorry. That, I'm thinking Dreamcast. That was the first, first one, I saw. one Just Sega yeah, Genesis. Genesis. I have distinct memories of the rare times when the Luxembourg family would make it out to the Toys R Us in Rockville, Maryland of like, just like camping out by the demo Genesis. Yeah. And then like sneaking in just being like, Sonic, oh go, go, so gotta play it. I got 15 minutes before my parents like find a gift for my brother's friend's birthday. <laughs> like that was, it was the best. Yeah. yeah. Those I love display video games. <laughs> my mom was really like, like we, we had the internet and like a computer Probably, I think, in like 88 or 89, like really like before everyone else in my neighborhood. You guys were the tech family on the block. Yeah, kind of. And and played a lot of like Sierra, old Sierra games back in the day. Oh, hell yeah. And then uh, Nintendo 64 came out right when my brother got a job. So he was able to like afford it and it like wasn't his birthday. So that was uh, amazing. Yeah, that must have been a landmark experience, I guess. But it was funny when Nintendo 64 came out, there was like two games. It was like Pilot Wings and Mario. Right. Yeah. Like, we're the only two games that were that's out. That's par for the course with Nintendo releases. I bought a Nintendo Switch with just Breath of the Wild for the first like five months. Yeah. <laughs> Did, but they're, they're really throwing games out. Oh, they're doing great. Oh, yeah, They've the had Switch a hell of a year. So many good games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't get me started and on Switch so games. They're about soon. to come out with that cardboard thing. That's like this week. Yeah. We'll that see weekend. what happens with that. Um, I, I'm going to get it, build that little keyboard. You're going to build the keyboard, play piano. <laughs> I love music games. That's yeah. I, I always like. Like a Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero, funny thing about Guitar Hero is when, after Guitar Hero came out, it hadn't really like clicked with society yet. Guitar Hero 2 was like about to come out. Whitest Kids, this was before our TV show came out, we got sent to go on tour with Fuse. And so they were like, hey, I know how to advertise you. We'll put you on tour with the band Flogging Molly. Whoa. Which is weird. Uh, <laughs> so they, there was three buses. There was the Flogging Molly bus. There was the the opening band bus, and then there was this third bus that had the guys that sold merch. One of the sponsors for the tour was Guitar Hero, so it was like someone who had to set up the Guitar Hero tent at every right. show, and then us. And bus tours are weird. I just want to say, like, it seems like, oh, that's awesome to travel city to no, city. No, that sounds like a nightmare. A bus. No. You, like, you do a show... <laughs> And then immediately, like, after the show, like, you maybe have, like, an hour after the show's done to hang out in that city. And then you drive, you get on the bus and you sleep on the bus and you wake up in the next city, probably around noon. And then you have, like, you maybe have a hotel room there where you can, like, take a shower or something like that. And then you got to get to the venue by, like... 
four or five to to like load in and do sound check and stuff yeah and it's, you're just like nowhere but like this whole time we had uh playstation 2 i think it was and that sounds like for guitar hero yeah, that's yeah. Right. for like original guitar hero i think that's correct guitar hero yeah and an advanced copy of guitar hero 2 Ooh, and uh, new tracks spent that month practicing guitar hero and getting good and then like when rock band, rock band came out yeah. i was way into that and then eventually i've been a big fan of rocksmith what's rocksmith rocksmith is like guitar hero except it it has a usb to quarter inch cable Mm -hmm. and you plug it in and you plug in your actual guitar or bass Mm -hmm. and you actually learn how to play these songs and it has this really so it's actually useful yeah yeah (laughs) no uh to the point where i was just in a cure cover band i saw that uh, which was like just like this fun thing (laughs) and there were some songs i couldn't get that were out for like the first rocksmith that we were playing i don't have the first rocksmith anymore and it's hard to get so i'd look up videos of it on youtube Uh and it would teach me like little nuances that i didn't really hear from the song and that really and that paid off for the pack crowd at uh where was that the highland park off off beat in highland park <laughs> now is there going to be a is there going to be a, a second performance is this going to be a thing now, or is this a one-off Cure show? No, it's uh, there's not going to be a second performance of The Cure. It's this thing that uh, Dave Lyons, who's like a Channel 101 guy, organizes where uh, called Bring Your Own Tribute Band, and it's a bunch of people, like mostly comedians, some musicians, get together these tribute bands and do like four or five songs. Uh. There was this Metallica tribute band there that was insane. That just sounded exactly really like Metallica. That's awesome. Oh, that fucking they, rules. <laughs> they did super sweet. Master of Puppets and like For Whom the Bell Tolls. And like, it was one of these things where like they played before us and it was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, okay. So you, you mentioned touring and, and doing the sketch thing and playing video games. Do you think, or is there a way that you think that like video games influence some of like the sketch stuff or comedy stuff that you do? Oh, definitely. I mean, like yeah, to, to I, preface for our, the, our audience. Yeah. Sam Brown, if they don't know, wrote and starred in a sketch show on IFC for five seasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's widest kids, you know, you can watch most of it on YouTube now. Maybe we should have said that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he also teaches uh, sketch comedy at a theater called the Pack Theater in uh, sunny Los Angeles, California. But yeah, yeah. How have video games uh, affected uh, your your comedy? According to the IRS, it's a business expense. Uh, <laughs> I should Smart start doing. I mean, I should actually start doing that because I have to buy a lot of video games now. I do. Yeah. I, did, I yeah. just file my taxes, and I absolutely do that. Do you? So do you keep receipts for like your sixty dollar purchases of a video game? What I do is I go through my bank statement or i go through my amazon history you can always like look at your history uh-huh. yeah this is a cool irs uh <laughs> loophole yeah podcast and, here and then the right after this podcast. podcast released sam was arrested and this was the last time we saw him <laughs> no but I, I mean like it is like part of the stuff that i write it's like i think it's definitely my audience are people who are into video games and i think one one of the most popular whitest kid sketch was a call of duty sketch oh, yeah. that was actually like when we started like getting paid to do the 
show. I think one of the big purchases that the whole group did was like, it was just funny. It was like, we all got paid. And then like within a week, we all had Xboxes and uh, <laughs> we're playing Call of Duty. We all like, uh, uh, we were really into, I think it was Call of Duty 3, the one with Eater Dam. Is that World at War? Is that the one you're talking about? Griffin, that's a you question, man. You know I don't play that, those games. It goes Modern Warfare 1, 2, and then goes World it, it at War. Pre, pre-modern. Oh, pre-modern okay. It was pre-modern. Oh, pre-modern Warfare? I think it was... So it was uh, three? Was three mm-hmm. before Modern or two? Let's just call it three. We'll call it three. There's been a lot of Call, call of Duty games. Yeah. And listeners, if we're wrong, uh, as usual, then it's just another drop in the bucket. But yeah, in that sketch, what was it that like uh, one of the, it was an online game basically of Call of Duty and one of the soldiers was like talking to their mom or something? Which was, it was based off of something that really happened. Yeah. Basically what happened was like, this was like early on in like, playing video games online and one of the guys in the group posted like hey here's a screenshot of me playing uno and like it had everyone else's <laughs> gamer tags on it so then all of a sudden we started getting like requests from fans and there was this one kid and we used his gamer tag in the episode <laughs> as uh that's awesome what it was but he was like a kid and like when you play with kids they don't have the best etiquette as far as being on a communication yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) sure and we'll be like mom mom no mom uh and so that that's what we would hear and he would he would be playing with trevor a lot oh that's extremely good be like Trevor, Trevor, (laughs) where are you? I mean, I don't know if you still play a lot of games online uh, with with the kids and shit, but I play a little bit of like NBA 2K or like NHL or whatever on the internet. Uh, And children are unfucking bearable in that context. Because one, they're real annoying. And two, they're all amazing at the game. Yeah. (laughs) They're all like incredible. I'll play against these kids and they're just like sinking threes from everywhere and then like calling me the N-word and like talking about how they fucked my mom. And I'm just like... Kids kids are the worst. I can't yell at them because they're children. I mean, I do yell at them. But I feel bad because they're children. And then also I don't even like win. Yeah, I um, I used to do World of Warcraft arenas. And so I would get on with a group of two to three other guys and we would do these arenas like every night. And we would basically strategize like a team and get really hardcore. And I played with this one guy who was so good. I played for like three years. And like I found out he was like 10 or 11 years old, <laughs> like Jesus much Christ. later. Oh, like that experience in Ready Player One where they're like, oh, oh you're a kid. Oh, oh weird. You're the coolest 10 year old I ever met. Okay, but everyone knew that that dude was a girl like her voice was not modulated very well no and they gave it away in the trailer oh did they oh okay yeah it would have what a mess um but now that we're just talking about games <laughs> should we talk um, about the game we're here to talk about yeah let's get into the game uh we're here to talk about uh, and now that we have a great audio engineer i don't have to play this off my phone so i'm just gonna start with the history of the game now uh, um okay i'm imagining uh sound playing right now <clears throat> super mario brothers was released I'm going to take that again, Haley. Thank you. <laughs> Haley. Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Uh, Super Mario Brothers was released in Japan in 1985, quickly becoming a mega hit worldwide. But how would Nintendo follow this? Would they create a sequel designed for the mainstream to capitalize on their success? 
No. Instead, Mario creator Shigeru Miyamoto designed a game so impossibly difficult, most reviewers likened it to the post-game challenge levels of a normal game. Recognizing that the game might be too difficult for newcomers, the team labeled the game's packaging for super players. In fact, this game was so hard that the game was not released in the United States until 1993 for fear that Americans couldn't handle the steep difficulty. What? It is remembered among <laughs> the most difficult games by Nintendo and among the least important games in the Mario series. That's just a quote from the Wikipedia, not my opinion. Uh, this week, are, are the Game Boys good enough to be called super players? Also, no. This is Super Mario The yeah. Lost Levels. Yeah. Decidedly not. <laughs> I, I got to say, this game, like, as saying that it's not important, I think, is, <laughs> is completely false. <laughs> right, well, let's start, let's start there. Why, why is that? All right. It's such a tricky game. It's so smart, and there's so much thought that went into the level designs. And basically, I think one thing that created Mario Brothers' success, I think Super Mario Brothers 3 was a huge game. Game. Maybe one of the biggest Mario Brothers games of, of all time. And I don't think you're going to make Super Mario Brothers 3 without Lost Levels. Because a lot of the tricks that were so groundbreaking in Super Mario Brothers 3 were things that they were already doing in Lost Levels. Like the levels that repeated forever and you had to find the right The right path. Path mm -hmm. to um, Yes, there's, move on. there's loop paths. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And also they, they introduced other stuff too, right? Like the bad mushrooms. Bad mushrooms. Uh, and it was all stuff that like you're like all right it's a mario brothers game i'm gonna start playing this and then it immediately starts to mess with you for playing it it's oh, not like oh yeah a friendly game no not at all <laughs> i would say one of my favorite things is that there is a level i think it's like level like four one where you get to the end of the level it's one of your classic like for those who haven't played it it looks like mario brothers one like, it looks like the first Super Mario Brothers. They didn't really update the graphics at all. They just made it harder, which is crazy because, like, it, I think if it looked different, you might kind of, like, be more prepared for it to be harder. Yes. But because right. it looks like it's something It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. In a huge fucking it's like, way. <laughs> it, just, it just punishes you. Yeah, endlessly. In level, I, th I think it's 4-1. <laughs> And this game, I would compare it to a game like uh, Limbo, where it is a, a trial and death game, mm -hmm. where you're yes. going to play a level like over and over 50 and over. times before you get past it. And you're going to do continue after continue. And yeah, it's, it's just really tough. And so you get to level 4-1, you feel like you're like just making it through this thing. And then there's this part where the blocks are like really close to the flag at the end of the level. And you go, hey, I think I could jump over the flag here, which is something when I used to play Mario Brothers and didn't get how video games worked, I would try and do as a yeah. kid was jump oh, yeah. over the flag. Sure. Of course. And so then I noticed you could jump over the so I jump over the flag and I'm like, oh, awesome, it's a warp. And you're actually controlling yourself walking past the castle, walking past the tube that you would naturally go down. And you're like, well, what's further? And so you jump over it and then you realize, oh, there's a warp up here, but there's one warp tube. You know where that tube brings you? Level one one, <laughs> <laughs> which is worse than dying. Oh my god! 
So your choice is either restart the game or sit there until time runs out and your character dies and then do the level over again. It's amazing. Yeah, That's it's really just crazy. It's just designed to to fuck with you basically. Yeah. It drove me into a berserker rage. I could I knew I wasn't going to I knew I wasn't dexterous enough at platformers, so after after like not getting past the first world for like an hour, <laughs> I just watched someone speed run it in 25 minutes and it was like one of the most thrilling things I'd ever watched in my life. <laughs> he knew where every single block was and yeah. and just watching the speed run defined how impossible the game was for me cuz like the things that he had to do to get through certain levels, I was like that would have been a whole day for me like yeah. right there oh, just trying yeah. to figure that out. Well, yeah. the thing yeah, and like again like I was just talking about like rhythm games and like music and like playing music and like a big part of playing music is like memorizing things and like learning where like all right, this part of the song there's this little riff that's kind of hard to hit. Totally. That's a lot like what playing this game is. Sure. Is it's kind of one of these games that you have to like memorize where everything hits. That's very similar to Dark Souls actually. Yeah. Uh, In the same way like you get to know a castle because you die all around it and you start to know that guy's about to swing this way. That guy's going to come out of that hole. And yeah, it's like he starts getting ingrained in your brain to the point where like when I replay Dark Souls it's like I know it like the back of my hand now. Like it's, yeah. it's weird. I have a weird map in my brain just for that now. Now this game definitely. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that are really interesting about it. One thing that uh, that stuck out to me that we're kind of talking about right now is that it like is maybe the best argument for my idea that like all video games are puzzle games. Yeah. Like it's really just figuring out how all the, like you said it's figuring out where things hit and where all the puzzle pieces go. Like how no, systems yeah. work together. Yeah. yeah, and then just moving through it and like except this time the puzzles are fucking impossible and crazy. Yeah, it no, it totally is a puzzle game. And that's what I love about it is that it is less of like a game about dexterity, even though like that's what it appears it is. But it's more about figuring out the puzzle and figuring out that like the perfect time to jump. Yeah, it's more it's, perseverance than dexter dexterity. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like. Will you give up or not? No, it's like an emotional challenge. Yeah, like there's one there's one moment. Yeah, it's emotional. There's one moment I think where you have to take damage from Bowser to get through or something crazy. Like you have to be take a mushroom to get bigger and then like jump through his hits to like get past him. And that's like the only way to do it. At least that's what the speedrunner guy told yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, so it's like stuff like that. It's like, oh, wow. But you've you've beaten the game. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's fucking this crazy. Years ago. Years ago in like in Brooklyn, I had a bunch of friends and I didn't beat the game by myself. Mm -hmm. It was a thing. A team effort. Uh, A team effort. Oh, that's always fun. A buddy of mine, Mike Ada and I like who Mike Ada is the kind of guy that like uh, there was this bar in Brooklyn that was like one of the first barcades called Barcade. Sure. And he, for a while, he like obsessed about asteroids and had his name on the chalkboard Ooh, as far as the okay. asteroids. He was the kind of guy that had yeah. that personality to like be like, all right, let's tackle a video game. And I remember we just like hung out and would trade off every continue. Like every time you, you hit, you got to the point you where you had to, to continue, trade off. Yeah. trade off to the next person. And, and tackle it that way. It's fun, fun way to spend a night if you want to have a video game party with some buddies. I did that recently with the the Crash Bandicoot remaster because I don't know if you've ever played Crash Bandicoot. Did you ever Long get into Crash Bandicoot? Ago. Well, they remastered I was a PlayStation it. PlayStation guy back in the day. Yeah. yeah. 
They remastered it, but the problem with the remaster is the hitboxes are different. So Crash Bandicoot used to be more of a square hitbox. So when he jumped on stuff, it would be easier, but they remastered it. They made it more of a pill shaped. So he slides off the edges of everything in the game. Ugh. So it's twice as hard as the original game. It's crazy. You have to be, you have to hit the jumps perfectly to get through parts of it, or you just can't make it through. And which is infuriating the same way that this game was <laughs> infuriating because unlike Griffin, Griffin has a, a great capacity to look at a thing and say no it's not going to be fun to bang my head against the wall for 20 hours on this i don't have that ability <laughs> so i like played this game probably for 15 hours this week yeah wow and just got rocked left and right how far are you uh, i got to like two four maybe or like two oh three my god <laughs> Jesus. i mean to be fair to be fair i didn't have like a good i didn't find a good saving emulator until like a couple days ago Okay, but still, and it, it drove me fucking nuts, especially because like you, like you said, I think one thing you said is like really super accurate about my experience with this game, which was because it looks like Super Mario Brothers. I was like, I know the rules of Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. I do X Y Z, but then it was like evil mushrooms, invisible blocks. Like yeah, the, the very first mushroom is an evil mushroom, yeah. and it's like a sign that it says like "Turn back now, motherfuckers." Yeah, like <laughs> which, which is the same kind of like super smart game design that you see in like the first Mario, which like I could talk about the first level of the first Mario game design wise for a hundred years, but it's the same kind of design where it's like you learn the lesson by just playing it, which is really cool. But all the lessons are mean. Yeah, is the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the best trial by fire, you know. You know, and, and here's the thing: is is I think like the amazing. Have you ever played the game Witness? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I had this thought while playing Witness, and uh, and it's that a good video game is a dialogue between the player and the game designer. Mm-hmm. And, sure. and that's exactly what this is. It's like, is they don't give you the instructions. They're communicating to you things being bad and things being good through the way that they've designed everything. And, and you, as you go further in the world, you adapt to it more. And yeah, and, and going back to like sketch comedy and video games, I think it's, it's they're not like the same thing, but I, I think, you know, a good sketch creates a world and that that's something like playing good video games inspire me to like create more realized worlds. Yeah, I think and uh, yeah, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense. And I think you're right about how like the mechanics do the teaching for the game the same way. Like, yeah, like the first Mario game, like you reach a block like two seconds in and you can't jump over unless you get the mushroom that was before or whatever. Yeah, that's all really smart. The thing with this game that was also very smart, but infuriating to me, which makes you wonder, like, what was that? Like you learn a thing. And it wasn't do this to beat this challenge. It was, hey, do this now so you know that it will kill you. Then don't do it again, <laughs> yeah. which is like a really harsh teaching system. So did you like play this? As, did you play this as a child at all? No, I'm not. This was a college. I think I, I, I remember it coming out. It came out when I was like that key age, but like I was a Genesis guy, as I said earlier, and sure. not a Super Nintendo guy. And and by it coming out, I mean uh, it was included in Super Mario All Stars as what they called it was Lost Levels. Yeah, it's right. a 1993 game that they brought out. And I just remember my friends being like, "Oh yeah, that game sucks. Like <laughs> it's, it's way too hard. It's like right. Mario. It's just Mario, but way too hard." And then it wasn't until college when it was like at a friend's place where we like would have a Super Nintendo, 
and on like a shitty TV and we were sitting around and we we're like, hey, let's give this a try. And it just sucked us in. It just like it being so impossible. Just it was like me and a bunch of art students uh, just kind of like drove us to like, no, there's got to be a way. And it's it's frustrating. And it's one of these things where it's easy to be like, no, there's no way anyone can beat this. But I think it, it's just hard enough yeah. where it's it's like Dark Souls. Like in, if Dark Souls, if you're playing Dark Souls and you don't make any progress at all, you'll give up playing Dark Souls. But like we were making just enough progress yeah. and like it inch was this inch, kind of thing yeah. where like when all of a sudden when we when we beat a world it felt amazing sure. <laughs> yeah. it felt like an accomplishment right it's like when you beat a boss in dark souls it feels so much better than other games and, and, and it made me realize like how boring some games are when it's just too easy yeah nino kunai Nino Kunai 2 would have been a perfect game if it had been hard. But yeah, like I, I went back to what you were saying earlier about when a game is like really talking to you. It's like when there's like a really strong creative vision or director and you really feel like they're like speaking directly to the gamer, like in The Witness or uh, like in games that we've been talking about on the podcast, like Undertale is a great one where it's just like it's made by one guy. So you get that feeling anyways, but just feeling like he is just talking to you in like every moment of this game. Uh, you don't get that way from other games that are made by like big studios that 300 people worked on. You like you don't really feel that sense that like someone is talking to you with their voice as much. You know, like virtual reality is like a really big thing nowadays and everyone's like, oh, this is the future. It's like I look at that and it's kind of boring to me because it's it's yeah, it's like interesting that like, oh, you can like really like immerse yourself in a space. But like, I feel like a good story is a lot more immersive than like this, like this gimmick. And in that same way, I feel like a game that is like well designed like that. I feel like that is the future of everything is like these innovations in design and gameplay and the way artists like game designer artists are communicating with their audience is like, yeah, that's, that's always going to be, and maybe someone will incorporate that into virtual reality, but I think it's, it's, that's the, that's things moving forward. Yeah, because I, it's like uh, I go to a story because I want someone to tell it to me. I don't go to like a fireplace and then be like, all right, you tell the story yourself. Figure it out. Like I want someone to tell me a story. Like yeah. I don't want to just have to like improv it around the fire. And yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, and what I particularly like about 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 that kind of idea of like the game telling the story on sort of its own terms is that like it all relies on like the mechanics and the use of game mechanics as a storytelling tool. And we talked about that a little bit with Max uh, last week, like just the way that you can build, you know, whatever kind of emotional feel into like just the buttons that you're pressing and stuff like that. That's when I get that feeling of like the game is talking directly to me is when like the mechanics tell the story. Like we were talking about this on the phone before we got on the pod, but like that game brothers from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brothers for people who haven't played brothers, is a really fun co-op game or is it co-op? No, it's, it's single player and you it's control, player, you control two different brothers. Yeah. You control one brother with the right thumbstick and the right trigger mm-hmm. and one brother, with the left thumbstick and the left trigger. And at the end, uh, one of the brothers dies. And so you can only use one stick and one trigger devastating and then the very end you are able to like you throw your controller away 
No, you summon up your <laughs> you summon up your emotional energy to do some stuff that the older brother could do before. So then you can use both buttons again. Oh my god! Oh, and wow. then like you can I, use both Jesus things. Christ! And like the whole story is built around this mechanic. I only played the demo for this game. I played like an hour. It's like a four hour game. It's like beautifully done. And like that, that to me is like the kind of thing. And that that's similar, I think, in a lot of ways to this like Mario stuff, like yeah. to how as you play through it and like learn the mechanics, you start to learn the world and like what you what what matters and what doesn't. Um, and yeah. it, obviously, like Mario has less of like an emotional message than, than Brothers does. But like it's still you still it's like an experiential gateway. Yeah. Into the whole thing. Yeah. And last, just a few last things about this game. Did you play as Mario or as Luigi? Because there's like a difficulty difference between them. Uh, Mario can walk faster, but Luigi can jump higher. But Luigi can't skid as much. Like he's slippery. Yeah. There's more. There's better control with Mario. Uh, better Mario, control. Better yeah. control with Mario, but Luigi but can bounce higher. Mario, I played with. Yeah, you, you played yeah. Mario. Yeah. yeah. Um, so where does this rank in terms of uh, we'll 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 uh, rate this game, but where does this rank in terms of Mario games for you? I mean, I part of my like like love for this game too is like I I love a good like a good sleeper, you know. I love a good like a the one no one's the, played, the one no one's playing, yeah, yeah, yeah the obscure the one. You know, I would say I'd say this is for me. I would say the th- four. Top five. Top five. I'd say four. What's number one right now? My list would go... I mean, you... It sucks ranking video games, but yeah. like... And also 2D versus 3D is kind of a different argument too. So like, I think Super Mario Odyssey is my favorite Mario game, but I wouldn't compare it to like the 2D ones in the same way. Mario Brothers 3 is like one of the best games, but it's totally right. different. so different. It's like a different game completely. Just yeah. Just same character. I would say... I would say... But I mean, like in like... Just as far as video games in general, Super Mario Brothers was a giant video game. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the way that game feels compared to other games made around that time, like, we're going from, like, Atari to, to all that. of a sudden, oh, like, yeah. like, like, thought out, like, level design. And enemies. Like, and Yeah. I have to pay respect to, like... The experience. I mean, that's the game that made my brother throw up. Like, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, the original. I would go Super Mario Brothers. It passes the puke test. Super Mario Brothers three, Mario sixty four. Okay, and then lost levels. Uh, lost levels. I have love that. It's a very so yeah. Well, one, one one last thing before we before we get to the oh, yeah, oh, yeah. next thing is um, <laughs> uh, do you have a? I mean, maybe is it four one or do you have like a different favorite lost level? I for, I couldn't name the level. There was one level where I you know what? The pattern loop level, like My, especially in a game like that, like uh there might be multiple, but there was one pattern loop level that I remember stood out because like a pattern loop is one thing in a game that that's that's fairly like accessible, but in a really hard game when you all of a sudden you realize you're in a pattern and you have to go down like that you're on a loop that that's never ending unless you go down the right thing it really fucks with you because yeah. <laughs> you're like it's such an accomplishment to get to every every inch in that game to get through every platform in that game and then all of a sudden you realize like it was oh all for wasted yeah yeah like i've just been <laughs> wasting my time this i've been here before uh, and that's yeah. exciting for Sam, but makes me want to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel Video games crazy. should make you want to kill yourself is the thing. Because if we don't want to kill ourselves, we get no joy when we win. When you succeed. That's true. And the joy is so sweet after like it's hard earned. Definitely. I've, 
yeah uh about that i remember uh so zach is is the person who's got me into dark souls uh, so zach uh from whitest kids and uh from this new one did, show wrecked which one did you uh start with on dark souls what was your first one mine was bloodborne mine was one yours was one okay yeah start from the beginning i haven't beat any <laughs> One's the one I made it the furthest in, and basically, yeah, the saves are so spread out. Yeah, it gets better than other, other ones. I was, like, kind of, you know, sometimes in Dark Souls, you get to a point where you're like, well, I got past that really hard thing, and now I'm going to kind of, like, explore around. There's a lot of different ways I can go. I don't know which way I should go, and I made it out into a field, and I, I was like, there's got to be a save around the corner. I've gone so far. I'm so, like far into the abyss without uh you know like without a, a life preserver and i just like made it into a field and a wolf with a sword a giant wolf <laughs> with a sword ran out of nowhere and just like like killed me immediately and i was like fuck this <laughs> i was like all right i feel satisfied in how far i've taken this because i don't think i'll ever beat that wolf with that sword uh, <laughs> all right well speaking of satisfied with how far we've taken it uh we're right at the end of this part of the segment so we're going to take a quick break and uh hear from our sponsors and then we'll be right back my name is terrence clarence and i have something special for you today now we all remember what society used to be like roads laws people abiding by them food provided in stores but ever since the collapse it's been hard to avoid getting hunted for sport and that's why i'm gonna tell you my little secret that's kept me alive all 14 years since the fall of society and civilization itself and that's full body camouflage tattoos come on down to terrence clarence's full body camouflage tattoos underneath the bridge near the fallout site or i can cover your body and patterns that'll make you unrecognizable to any of the scavengers or reavers hunting in the wasteland. You'll blend right in and you'll never get caught. Stay safe and don't get hunted for sport or for food in this post-apocalyptic mess. Now, welcome back to the Game Boys Podcast. Welcome back to the Game Boys Podcast. Hey, that was a great commercial hey. and everyone loved it for a product oh we're all going to use and enjoy. I uh, bought three. I love those. Yeah, they're so good. I'm wearing some right now. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm thinning down what you could possibly make it about. Yeah, yeah, you certainly yeah. are. Oh man, I love me undies. <laughs> oh no, we're trapped. Um, anyways, it's still me, Lux. I'm still with Griffin and our guest Sam Brown, and we're gonna rank this game, boys. Yeah, yeah. Start with Sam. Yeah, we'll start. It's a one out of five joysticks is the rating system, and uh, Sam, you're the guest. You go first. I'm five. Nice. Is that our first five? No, we've had fives before. We've had fives before. The question is, will we give it fives? Sure. Yeah. Um, do you want to go, Griff? No, you go. I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. Well, I won't get I'm mad. I'm not going to give this game a five. You, you're, on a, you're remotely calling in. I have to sit next to Sam. <laughs> okay. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give this game a three and a half. Whoa. Okay. Because here's why. I thought it was extremely, like what we were talking about before, like the way in which it's rewarding is extremely mm -hmm. true. But man, and maybe it's just like the experience of playing on an emulator or something, but it was just like such a goddamn slog. Like I just like would have fun for like the first 10 tries on a level, not have fun for the next 600 <laughs> and then have fun the first 10 on the next level. And I was like... And beating it was great, and the beginning of each one discovering stuff was great, but that in between yeah. just like literally broke my soul in like a real, uh, in a real Bane versus Batman kind of way. And 
which is both good and bad. So I'll give it a 3.5. It was better than than your average game, but it also uh, was rough on my mental health. I'll, I'll say this is, is uh, sorry to interrupt, but one, I played it on a Super Nintendo. You know, I should have called it Lost Levels, but like, yeah, that's like the way we did it. And uh, which every time you died five times, it would give you the option to continue. But every continue, I think, would bump you back to the beginning of the world. Yeah. So I think that's a good system. Like, you know, you're not going to start the game over, but, you know, uh, and then also I, I think the setting of playing it with like four other people. That's crucial. And like yeah. hanging out and tackling it and having that excitement of like when someone finally beats a level is, I think, was was helpful to our mental stamina. Yeah, I bet so. I was playing in like 30 minute bursts between like notes and calls from work. And so it was not so much of a like lose myself in it so much as it was like you'll get really frustrated and then have to solve a problem. Which is like not such a great gaming space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If you're like an, if you're like a, uh, playing this game alone, it can be a, it can be a devastating experience. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think uh, I feel very similarly. I was probably going to give it a, a, a three, but then after thinking about it and hearing like the comparison into like the way that I enjoyed Dark Souls, I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like you, ne- like it. Nothing feels better than beating a, a really hard boss in Dark Souls. Like I remember jumping. I don't, I don't jump off my couch in excitement that often when I do something in a video game but I have for like moments like that so I'm going to give it a 4 to 5 I like games that are crazy hard and and I also want to say that not to defend it but it's not Battletoads it's not like the Ninja Turtle Nintendo game where Turtles it's like but, or not not Turtles in Time but the, the first one with the, the underwater level that oh, was just yeah. like oh my god it's just broken impossible. just like broken yeah, it just was bad design yeah. and like it was impossible for impossible sake right or like the race level in Battletoads or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. where it's like oh you're just not gonna beat this because we're assholes it's like no it's like i think part of it is that like the carrot is just close enough that's that's important right i mean it's important to know that i never gave up on the game and i have given up on games for the podcast before yeah so it's not that the podcast came in like i didn't give up because it's like a good enough game for sure but this is the hardest game we've had on the podcast yet by far yeah, but I gave up. I didn't give up on this, but I did give up on Sunless Sea. Sick, <laughs> so sick. Um, and but, like, just to put that in, like, this was the second Mario. That game. is also <laughs> like yeah. video games so weren't good. this hard. You have to appreciate the bravado of, or like the ego or that kind of not the ego, but just like the I don't know. It was not a smart business decision. No, it like wasn't. you know, it was, it was audacious as <laughs> it, hell. It, no, it didn't make sense to anyone. <laughs> I mean, but like it also like the idea that it was so hard. I think was like an investment in the concept of video games. Yeah, and it did sell two point five million in Japan. Wow, two point five so million copies. Yeah. Bang a rang. But, but uh, like, yeah, like, so that's the game. Wait, anything? You have I'm just thought? saying, it's like that. Like they were like, this is where video games are going. Like video games are going to be huge, and people will be so good at them <laughs> yeah and they were right <laughs> and they were right but yeah. not americans <laughs> and, certainly, and certainly not us but what we are good at is segments and so now it's uh, time for the segment segment oh man i have some incredible segments uh i'm gonna do lightning fast uh everyone's favorite segment talking tale where i ask our guests have you played undertale 
No. Oh, right. That was Talking Tale. I, Undertale. I suggest checking it out. It's on Steam. It's an incredible game. Listeners of the podcast will know what this game is about because I do this segment every time. But the game is great. Uh, basically, uh, you can choose to either fight the monsters or befriend them. So there's an aggressive route and a passive route, and they have completely different outcomes to the game based on what you do. Uh, it's very great. I don't think we can do the segment where you pitch the game okay. every time. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I should have pitched <laughs> oh, the game. Oh, Undertale. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. I get this. And on to my real segment. Uh, oh, wait, guys, you, skipped, you skipped something. What did I skip? Yak and Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, my Sam. God. We're doing this one again? <laughs> That's what you say every time we do it. Um, quick question. <laughs> You ever play Yu-Gi-Oh? No. Okay, great. Cool. Moving on. So it's Griffin, a card game, right? I think it I've is. seen an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, it was a yeah. card game and, a, and a, a popular cartoon manga. And a weird... It was a, a popular anime and a weird manga. Anyways, Griffin, your next thing. Okay, this is a brand new segment that I'm introducing to the show this week. That's right. It's Riddle Me This. All right, <laughs> gentlemen. I am a popular video game character of a certain franchise, and you have to guess who I am with okay. a series of riddles. Okay. Uh, right. We will uh, start. Uh, you, Sam gets to go first on each one, and then Lux will get a guess too, and we'll go through these riddles. Starting with, oh, wait, I lost the image. Oh, God. Okay. Haley, keep all this. Um, <clears throat> I'm a real plagiarist. I'll copy your move if you raise your fists. Um, um, do I buzz in or something? Uh, <laughs> Sam gets to go first, and then okay. you get a guess. <laughs> Do you already have it, Lux? I think so. God damn it. Uh, is it is it the like I don't know, pass. Pass, Lux. Is it Kirby? Fuck! Damn it. Oh. Uh, I had so many other ones. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Kirby. Yeah. Uh, I, I I thought that one was the least obvious. That I had was other the ones. That I only know Kirby from Super Smash Bros. And that's the only fact only about Kirby that's in that Super Smash I know, Bros. I blew it. I had one that was like, I'm extra cute and extra cuddly, but make me mad and you'll go in my tummy. I felt like that was pretty obvious, yeah, too, right? Yeah. Oh, I think that one would have been harder for me to get. Would have been harder? Really? Yeah, because well, I don't... Well, see, I, guess I was same. thinking, like, fighting games. Like, how, I, like, said like, yeah, I said yeah. fists. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, yeah, like, was how throw it off. some of those, like, you know, sometimes in fighting games, you have to fight mm -hmm. yourself. Oh, yeah, like, like shadow the, self. Or shadow self. Dark, yeah, that's what know. I was thinking. Mm -hmm. I couldn't yeah, think of that. The fist threw me off, actually threw me on point, because at first I thought it was Ditto from Pokemon. Ugh. Well, guys, this was an incredible segment. Yeah, really good. I think it's a really good idea. I think I'm we should work to... on my riddles. Yeah, I think yeah. do better riddles. I think it's a really good idea for a segment. All right, uh, finally, <laughs> it's time for our final segment, which is everyone's favorite segment. It's America's favorite video game based, choice based game. It's called Play It, Slay It, Delay It. Here's the way it works choice based. Yeah, it's choice based. It's about making a choice. Okay. So here's the way it works I'm going to read you guys the names of three games. I'm also going to read you the ad copy, either from their websites or from Amazon.com, and you will choose which you would like to play as in play right now delay as in save for later and slay as in throw in the trash perfect the theme this week is uh impossible games Hell yeah. <laughs> games that are impossible to beat is cuphead on this list no because henry beat cuphead okay and if henry can beat it so can you cool so here's the first one the bizarre adventures of woodruff and the ships <laughs> When the world is devastated by atomic war, the humans hide underground for safety. Centuries later, they emerge until the earth is finally green again, only to find a mutant race has taken over. The gentle and peace-loving Boozooks. 
The Boozooks are a weird-looking <laughs> little race with long noses fore and aft, which may explain why they all talk is that they need to blow their nose. Of course, the humans, not having learned their lesson in the previous debacle, wage war against them, defeat them, and promptly fiddle with their minds, subjugate and exploit any that survived. Hold in the on. city... This is a copy for the game? I'm so... This is like deep lore. Yeah, this is weird. This is what I got from the website <laughs> about it. Uh, where everyone lives, there's one human, Professor Azimuth, who has been performing time experiments trying to discover a way to help the poor bazooks, much to the annoyance of the ruling class political bigwigs. Everyone knows that Azimuth is doing this, so when he spreads the rumor of a mysterious liberator that called the Schnibble will soon appear, everyone believes he is making one. And it's known for being difficult because most of the uh, dialogue is written in a made-up language and there are no translations. Okay, I have no idea what this game is. It's like a, it's a point-and-click adventure and all oh, the text is in a made-up okay. language. Oh. With no translations, and that's why it's known for being hard. Next one, Rick Dangerous. Long before Laura Croft, Rick Dangerous was the Indiana Jones of video games, climbing up the temples in South America, dodging rocks and escaping Indians, picking up the treasures, and of course, saving the world. That's the copy. Why is it hard? Because uh, much like uh, Crash Bandicoot, the new one, the hitbox for landing on things is tiny and maybe impossible to hit in some cases. Third, those hitbox games. Third, and finally, Weapon Lord, which is the best name. On a battlefield, a demon spirit enters the body of a dying mercenary. He is reborn, defeats 20 rulers in bloody combat, and he goes on to found the reign of the demon lord Wraith. At the height of his power, his doom is foretold by a shaman. When the night turns violent and the moon bleeds, gripped by the skeletal fingers of death, a child will rise to face the demon in combat, and the lords of demons will fall by the hand of the Weapon Lord. It's a smash em up beat em up game. And okay. why is it hard? Because the controls don't make any sense because they're all based on control stick movement back when there was just a D pad. Oh my God. That sounds awful. <laughs> all right. So those are your choices. So they're all, di- they're all different, like slightly broken games. They're all extremely <laughs> broken games that no one seems to like. Uh, what, what were the names of them again? All right. So we've got to break it down. We've got the bizarre adventures of Woodruff and the Schnibble. Yeah. Rick Dangerous and Weapon Lord. Okay, I got it. All right, what you got? I would play The Bizarre Adventures hmm. because it, it something about that reminded me of Fez, and I, I thought Fez was a really fun game where <laughs> you had to decipher a made-up language. Yeah, Fez is sweet. That's a good is call. Is Fez the 2D, 3D game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a um, language part to it, too? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's kind of later on in the game. Okay. And, Maybe that was a spoiler, but then I think I would do Rick Dangerous delay. Sure. And then Keep slay the slay that the weapon lord. The weapon lord. The controls sound really frustrating. <laughs> All right. Griff, what sound you got? really shitty. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna slay weapon lord. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the 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 weird uh, language game just because it just sounds like I mean I'd probably not finish it but i'd play it and then yeah. I, I would de- wait did i delay one already did i, did I slay one you know you slayed I and think you played so i guess you're gonna delay i'm gonna delay the indiana jones one. so same same, same thing same okay. i'm gonna yeah. mix it up a little bit i'm also gonna play woodruff and the schnibble for sure it just sounds weird right it sounds, it sounds super like weird. i'm like what is that it sounds weird <laughs> and interesting um then i'm gonna delay weapon lord because while the the, the controls sound infuriating the premise seems cool and i love the name weapon lord rick dangerous uh, those tiny hitbox games drive me into like an absolute like fugue state rage. Like I can't, I can't do it. And so for the sake of myself and those around me, I'll slay Rick Dangerous. And that brings us to uh, the end of the show, uh, everyone. So wow, yeah, cool. wow. 
we're done here. Uh, thank you so much for listening, Internet. Um, Sam, where can the people find you should they choose to do so? Oh, uh, I want to plug some podcasts that I have. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I just started a podcast uh, called uh, Radio Lucy Goosey. That one is with Josh Fadum and Bridie Elliott. We, we do a live show here in L.A., but we have a, a podcast as well. And we have two episodes up. You can find that on Google Play and iTunes. Uh, later this week, I have another podcast premiering called The Sam Cave. It's uh, I invite a co-host that's a buddy of mine, a, a rotating co-host every, every week. And we have a guest coming up. We have my buddy from Whitest Kids, uh, Trevor Moore. He's on the show. Who has uh, he has a, a a special coming out later this week yeah, on four twenty, right? And he's also same as God of War. Will this come up before four twenty? No. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, it will won't it? Yeah. Oh, or no, past four twenty. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, the, uh, well, Trevor just had a special out. Yeah. <laughs> I probably just released his episode of the Sam Cave. So uh, check that out. So check that out. Uh, and yeah, you can uh, find me on Instagram at that Sam Brown and on Twitter at Sam Brown four twenty sixty nine. Whoa! Nice, get it. You, yeah. you scored that one early, uh, huh? Yeah. yeah, that must have been that must have been a real tough game. That was the first week Twitter. <laughs> first week there. of Twitter. Did you, did Jack give you that personally? Uh, yeah, Jack came to your house. <laughs> yeah, I got a plaque for it. All right, Griff man, uh, you know the drill. What's yeah, the deal? Yeah, yeah, follow me at Shut Up Griffin. Uh, if you're in LA, come to the, check out stuff at the Pack Theater. Do shows every so often there. Sam does a few shows yeah. there. Uh, Pack Theater on Santa Monica Boulevard. Come check us out. Hot new comedy theater. And then you know me. It's me, Lux. You can find uh, the videos at Wisecrack. You can find Party World Wrestling stuff at Party World Wrestling on Facebook.com. You can find me on Twitter at ML Surfboard. And I think that's everything that's happening right now that I know you about. You should do a philosophy video for the Lost Files for Wisecrack. <laughs> um, I don't think enough people would watch it for it to be worth it for them to pay me to do it. You're right. You keep doing the job. I don't understand philosophy, so yeah, don't yeah. take my advice. Well, that's not the reason why that was a bet. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, thanks for doing the podcast. This is great. We'll have to have you back on sometime. Yeah, totally. Um, a lot of fun. A lot to talk about. Yeah, hell yeah. We'll love to have you back. Play us out, Lux. Play us out. Yeah, guests, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Lux. Your co-host is Griffin. Your guest is Sam Brown. Your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morden. Our art is by Brittany Metz. We are edited by Haley Clement. Thank you so much. We love you very much. Bye. Bye. Are you going to say the name of the game? Oh, yeah. The Lost Files. The Lost Levels. Oh, shit. Okay, let me do it again. <laughs> the Lost Levels! Yeah, that's better. <laughs>